You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Good morning. Bear down, baby. Yes, sir. Bears fans, this is Take the North. It's real simple. You know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run. With your hosts, David Hawn. Are they setting people up for this unrealistic expectation that 2023, they're suddenly going to use that $100 million in cap space and all this draft capital they have? Voila! Playoff contender. And Dan Weeder. And you think suddenly that there are going to be 40 new players that are all difference makers. I just don't know what fantasy land that is. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take the North podcast. I am David Hoff from 670 The Score, the Moline Haw Show, along with Dan Weeder from the Chicago Tribune. The Take the North podcast is available on your free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And now you could also catch us on YouTube on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page. We are there for you to watch as, a, as in addition to listen to. So, Dan, we are now everywhere, and you are – uh, fresh off a visit from house hall after a bye week you're refreshed you're re-energized you're revitalized how was your off week your bye week? home home stretch here david we got four weeks to to plow through that finish line and and, and get to to what everyone is anticipating is going to be a very active and and busy off season for the, the bears really fun bun week bye week for me particularly on sunday uh was able to combine some uh, advanced scouting if you will uh, with some family time, taking my son to Buffalo Wild Wings with two of his friends and, and, and a neighbor of ours to go watch uh, the Bears next to opponents, which thankfully were on side-by-side screens at Buffalo Wild Wings. So we had uh, Jets, Bills on one, Eagles, Giants on the other. I got to admit, it was confusing at times because the uniform colors of both games were the same and you were getting the situations mixed up between the games. But a, a good glimpse at the Eagles and the Bills, who both had resounding wins on Sunday and, and, and really sets the table for a, a tough test to end the calendar year of 2022 for the Bears. We're going to talk about some of those takeaways from week 14 on a busy Sunday. We're going to talk about some of the ramifications about this three and 10 start and what that might mean in the NFL draft. And frankly, what it might not mean uh, moving forward. We're going to talk about some other things, but let's just start with Dan quickly before we get into our opening drive. The return to work for Matt Eberflus and his team on Monday at House Hall, 
Uh, did you sense any difference in tone? Did you sense anything that stood out in, in, in hearing from Matt Averflus and other and the sort of players? No, I didn't. And I think uh, this team obviously is, uh, you know, at a, at a point in their season where the, it's a little bit uncomfortable because you're out of the, the, the playoff picture. You're eliminated. You're just trying to figure out how to squeeze meaning out of these last four games. And that goes for the beat writers too, right? There's just a lot of, a lot of topics that we've covered a hundred times already. And so we kind of need these next stretch of games to advance the storyline a little bit to see how this Bears team responds to some of these moments, responds to some of these challenges. I think Matty Berflus continues to stress that if anything uh, has been established in 2022 that he's most proud of as a first year, first time head coach, it's that he feels like there has been a foundation laid. And he continues to, to use that phrase here over the last couple of weeks in believing that they have set a standard. And I think it was uh, paraphrasing here that, that if you if you look at this from a 10,000 foot view, you see a team that hustles, you see a team that competes you see a team that's still invested and he's very proud of that now it's all about making that mean something right and and, and that's up for interpretation on on how they can squeeze greater significance out of that because a lot of times you have teams that work hard and stay invested and they don't go anywhere and that's not necessarily the the jet fuel that propels things well let's look at uh, what all that potentially does mean moving forward in our opening drive Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's time for the opening, the opening drive. All right, so Dan, three and ten. The Bears right now are slated to draft third. <laughs> that gives you a lot of options. I don't see it getting any worse or better, depending on your perspective. Frankly, I don't think the Bears are going to win again. I, I just look at what's going on, and so that will leave them drafting anywhere between second and fourth or fifth at, at the very worst uh, case scenario. You have a lot of options in if you're going to be sitting there trading down and following the 49ers and Dolphins model and stockpiling uh, draft picks to use as, as capital to get either Pro Bowl caliber players and difference makers into your building and organization or drafting intelligently, one would hope, with uh, that high of a pick and getting impact players like uh, a defensive end edge rusher like Will Anderson or a disruptive defensive tackle like a Jalen Carter. There are a lot of things that will continue to be discussed and addressed before the April draft. What do you think overall, though, about being there and what that implies and maybe what's being assumed? Well, I have a few different 
lanes that I'd like to take this down if you're willing to indulge me. But first thing that you mentioned is that the Bears are now sitting in the number three slot. They started their bye week in the number two slot, and then they took the week off, and the Broncos lost again and and, and leapfrogged them on the draft board and got up to number two. And it, it opens the door for these conversations where I read something uh, that a, a, a friend texted to me that Kyler Murray's injury was good for the Bears because the Cardinals play the Broncos next, and if the Broncos can steal a win that the Bears won't steal against the Eagles, the Bears can come back again and leap frog the, the the Broncos and get back to that number two slot and and it just makes me scratch my head and say what world are we living in here where this has become this this sort of obsession on 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 where this team can go um, the first path I'll take you down is the one that you know I just struggled with with the celebration of the Bears failures and the presumed result of what one of those top picks will get you. I think we're taking a lot of leaps to believe that they are going to turn it into what the Dolphins turned it into, right? And, and being able to package picks and, and get a whole slew of picks and turn those in to a trade for Tyreek Hill, a trade up on the draft board to get Jalen Waddell, a trade in next year's first rounder to get Bradley Chubb, and just assume that the Bears are going to come out of this hall with, you know, two playmaking receivers and a and a premier uh, edge rusher. And, and, and history tells you that's not the case. I went through a couple things historically, David, and I'll bring a couple of these up and get your reaction. The first thing is this. 2000 2021. This is last season. The All-Pro team. There were 56 players chosen as either a first-team or second-team All-Pro in 2021. Four of those players were top-five picks. Okay, so it tells you that there's 52 other guys that were good enough to earn all pro honors that didn't need to be selected in the top five of a draft. You can find guys in a lot of different places. Only two of those other 56, you know, you take away the four and then you've got 52 left, were top 10 picks. And one of those was Roquan Smith. And, and, and so so you look at some of these things. The Bears actually drafted an all-pro guy, and then they couldn't get him to a second contract, and he's no longer part of their plans, and they're they're reestablishing things here. That's just part of it. I'll get your reaction to that because that surprised me as I went through that list and wrote down the draft order and, and the, where all these guys were taken. And, and for only four of 56 all-pros last season to be top five picks kind of blew my mind. See, I think a lot of people would interpret that as uh, that's why – the draft process is so flawed. And I might counter that by saying that to me shows how sophisticated the draft process really is. Because if you are developing players that are taken deeper in the draft, which I think the numbers show that you, that, that are def, that's definitely happening in the NFL, it shows that the, there, you, you trust your organization to find those players, whether it's in the, latter portion of the first round or the second or third round, or in the bears case, I mean, they lost a, a pro bowl caliber safety who was having a pro bowl worthy season in Eddie Jackson, who was drafted in the fourth round. So I think when you look at the variety of ways that you can supplement uh, your roster with talent, that I think that it shows you that there's no there's nothing guaranteed by drafting in the top five, because we have, for every example of a guy that does make it or that a team that does take advantage of that spot, there are enough examples of, of misses and we don't have to go through all of those. The other, the other thing I think is interesting too, is, is this bears repeating because this year's draft and every year is different. 2021 in, it was, a was a draft where or not necessarily last April, but the one before where you would have teams, wanting to move up because the quarterbacks, there were going to be five that people wanted and could yeah. talk themselves into getting in the top five. 
this year so far, and it may change, but I'd be surprised. C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, and the Kentucky kid Levis are not the kind of guys that you're going to have to necessarily get a King's Ransom for. That's also going to change the dynamic. People get excited about quarterbacks and I mean, front office execs and teams that are, are needy and they talk themselves into things and they get desperate and there's a chance that you're going to be able to leverage that pick, but it's just a chance. And I think in some circles that this, this number two or number three overall pick has been celebrated as if it's the Powerball jackpot. And in my opinion, it's, it's like the winner of a scratch off that you get at your Christmas dinner and it's on your plate and you scratch it off and you go, Hey, I got three snowmen. I guess just got $50 that I can go cash in at the seven 11. Right. And there's a big difference between the Powerball jackpot and those $50. And so I think people need to, to, to just wrap their brains around the idea that this isn't this isn't a promised uh, treasure chest that you're opening up when you get these picks. And there's worlds of examples. We're going to have plenty of time in January, February, March to talk about some of this. But I did also go back through uh, the drafts from 2011 to 2021 and just kind of to get my brain around some of these trades that were trades up for quarterbacks, right? And, and, and teams that netted a whole ton of picks from other teams that were coming up to get a quarterback. Um, one example here, and this, this leads me down my, the other road I wanted to go down was in 2012. And it was the uh, Redskins trade up with the Rams to go get RG3. At the time, it was luck and RG3, luck and RG3, luck and RG3. Two can't miss quarterback prospects. You got to go get one of those. And the Redskins went up and gave up a ton of picks to get them. And St. Louis walked out of there with this, this wallet of currency that everyone's hoping to get. And here's what it ultimately became for them. It became Greg Robinson, Alec Ogletree, Stedman Bailey, Zach Stacy, Isaiah Pede, Michael Brockers, Janoris Jenkins, and Rakevius Watkins. Fine. <laughs> it wasn't anything that, that propelled them into the, the, the era where they won the Super Bowl. It was just a nice net of a, a bunch of swings at guys, some of them who, who worked out and some of them who didn't. And, and, and so that's kind of what you're looking at. I bring up that year also because the Vikings that season were selecting number three overall. And they ended up trading that pick uh, and, and moving down one slot as the Browns came up for Trent Richardson. It became nothing. <laughs> and, and the Vikings yeah. t- turned that into uh, a, a, a number of picks, and they, they wound up taking Matt Khalil, who was going to be their preferred pick if they stayed at number three. And then they, they got Jarius Wright, Robert Blanton, Notre Dame guy for you. And then a, uh, they used another one of those picks to trade for a veteran cornerback in A.J. Jefferson. And so that trade didn't really get them anything. The other reason I bring that up is because the Vikings won a game on Christmas Eve that year, and I will never forget it as long as I live. They had a six-game losing streak. And in that game, Christian Ponder got – concussed and left the game. Adrian Peterson tore his ACL and the Vikings lost the game on Christmas Eve, losing their starting quarterback and their star running back to injury. And Leslie Frazier came to the post-game press conference so elated because his team had finally won for the first time in two months. And there was this giant disconnect in Minnesota about, oh my God, look what just happened. You missed out on the chance to draft number two overall. Look what's going to be, you know, look what the Redskins are going to become and look what you're not going to become. And then you fast forward 10 years and you say, what did the Redskins become and what have the Vikings done, right? It's a, So it, it's not a problem promise of future success and that one was just interesting to me because i just i will never forget a joe webb toby gerhardt led vikings team upsetting the redskins on on christmas eve and basically ruining christmas for a lot of vikings fans because they they had to slide one slot down the draft board <laughs> i also think this sort of fixation on on trading down 
which certainly the Patriots have made popular because Bill Belichick became a legend at doing it and, and building his roster that way. And so now is so like, ooh, the trendy GMs and executives trade down when they are have, have high draft status. It To me, it almost makes it feel like when you do keep the pick and you do make the pick, there's almost like, won't, won't there be somewhat of a letdown in Chicago if Ryan Poles say he's at three and say he, after all the conversation and, and machinations and everybody kind of speculating up until the draft, he keeps the pick, takes a player, the player develops into, you know, a Pro Bowl type of a player. But initially, people would like that. But initially, there will be a sense of disappointment around Chicago that he didn't use that to multiply <laughs> that pick into others and to come up with this draft hall, which, as you point out, is no guarantee you're going to get the kind of players, as the Rams example points out, as other examples will illustrate, it doesn't mean anything. So what you got to do is just feel, feel know what you want in a player, know what you want in a prospect, do your work, lean into that and have confidence in the pick that you make. And you might, that might be the smartest thing to do is to stay at two or three or four and to get a player that is going to be somebody that you could envision being part of your organization for the next five to seven to 10 years. Get it right. Right. That's the demand. Get it right. No matter what you do, get it right. And that's the pressure that Ryan Poles will face. I think there might be some disappointment that they don't turn it into five or six picks spread across a couple drafts. Uh, but I think that disappointment will last about 45 minutes until people can get on YouTube and watch the highlight reel of whatever player they've taken uh, at that point. The other thing I was going to bring up to you, and I'm going to in this this list of research I did, rather than go through 11 years worth of drafts for you, I was going to have you pick three years between 2011, 2021. I will tell you what happened with the numbers two and three overall pick. And then I will tell you who some of the other stars of the first round of those drafts will be. And it'll just give you a, a nice little snapshot. This is not something I haven't planted the years with you. Okay. This is like the magician coming out to you. You're just a, a guest in the audience. You can pick any three years and, and we'll go through them. Okay, Simon the Magician. How about 2014? 2014, the Rams took Greg Robinson at number two overall. That was part of uh, the pick that they got the previous year in the Griffin trade. And Blake Bortles was selected at number three overall. Other players taken in the first round in the top five. Khalil Mack was taken in the top five. Uh, you wound up with oh, this is a good one. You wound up with uh, Aaron Donald at 13. Yes, Zach, I remember that one. Zach Martin at 16. OBJ at 12. Uh, and Jimmy Ward at 30. So there's other guys there that, that uh, oh, Anthony Barr at number nine as well. So, so, so the idea that if you fell out of the top three and missed out on Blake Bortles or Greg Robinson and you couldn't get a, a, a you know, championship fueling playmaker, flawed. Give me another year. I, and then Aaron Donald was at 13 because Kyle Fuller went 14. And that's why I asked about that when 20, the year 2014. Phil Emery was, was losing his mind, right? Trying to get Aaron yeah. Donald to fall one more Trying slot. To get the smartest guy in the room. So how about uh, 2018? 2018. Okay. Saquon Barkley went number two overall of the Giants. Turned out to be a pretty nice pick. Sam Darnold, number three. Jets mm. came flying up the draft board and traded with the Colts to get that pick. The Colts wound up winning in that deal. Here's a couple of the players that they got back. They, they traded down three slots, wound up taking Quentin Nelson in the first round, getting Braden Smith at right tackle, 
Jordan Wilkins, a running back that never really did anything for him, a defensive end, Kimoko, Kimoko Ture. And then they they used a, a pick in the next year's draft to get Rakia Sin, who became a starter for Matt Eberflus. Uh, but but nothing there that tells you number two and over number three over pick was the, the jackpot. Some other guys taken in that draft. It's another good one. Uh, you had Roquan Smith at number eight. You had Josh Allen at number seven. Chubb at five, Bradley Chubb at five, Quentin Nelson at six, as we mentioned, Minka Fitzpatrick at 11, Deron Payne at 13, Derwin James at 17, Jair Alexander, 18, Calvin Ridley, 26, DJ Moore, 24, and MVP Lamar Jackson at 32. So that that was was actually, it was stacked further down the first round than it was at the top. And the Colts moving out of that spot shows you number one, how fixated teams can be on a quarterback because Sam Darnold wasn't, as it turned out, not that guy worth what they gave up. And secondly, it also shows you that what, my other point about if, if you're the Colts, yeah, you moved down because you could, but then you were fixated on picking or you're just not settled. But Quentin Nelson was the best player for your franchise and you took him and look what happened there. And he was five. So the difference between, two and five six for him six six for nelson he was six okay so that that's even it makes a point even stronger so i think no matter where you are if you get the right guy at the right time then it makes a lot of sense well we're four years later and where are the colts right are they in super bowl contention based on trading away that pick and moving down a couple slots no (laughs) no they still miss andrew luck all right last one let's do uh 2020 2020, Chase Young went number two to the Washington Commanders. I think they were the football team at the time. Jeff Okuda, number three to the Lions. Your your best player picked in that draft is probably Joe Burrow at number one, but you could make the argument for Justin Jefferson down at number 22. CeeDee yeah. Lamb at 17. Justin Herbert at number six, right? And so that none of those teams were picking in the top five. I think the Chargers are pretty happy with Justin Herbert. I think the Cowboys are pretty happy with CeeDee Lamb. I think the, the, the Vikings are a little bit, little bit pleased that they were able to get Justin Jefferson with a pick that they got trading Stephon Diggs away. So these are great examples, and I think it's terrific precedent. I think what it tells me is that it just reconfirms or reaffirms something that I've been saying all along. We've both been kind of agreeing here, sweating it out, whether or not the bears win one of these games and what it does to their draft status and how, uh, how it may damage their position and, and whatever the case, it's not worth the hand wringing. It's not worth the angst that it's created by the fact that you actually may be able to supply a locker room full of needy professional athletes in search of a victory, that victory, because at some point in time, it does matter. I'm with Sam Mustafer, who said on Monday at Hallis Hall, this is a team, whether or not it's about learning how to win or you see veteran teams that know how to win. Winning is what you remember is the object of the exercise if you are a professional athlete. And for the Bears over the final four games, even though it's unlikely to me, it would be good for them to win a game, regardless of what it means to their draft status. The pushback we get on this, and I understand some of it, and I'm not going to be, you know, sort of uh, slap all of it down, is that what what does a victory in this season ultimately mean to their big picture hopes? And I, I don't want it to be mistaken that we're overstating that they're going to get one win with a late drive against the, the Lions in Week 17 and suddenly hit a springboard to immediate success in 2023. That's not what any of us are saying. No one is saying that this is going to be a victory that propels them to 
big picture success. What I've said all along, and particularly as it relates to Justin Fields, who's going to have to be the engine of your next championship football team. I think we all agree on that. The entire city understands that is that the quicker he can start to build these library, this library and these experiences of, of going and meeting moments and excelling under pressure in late game situations, which we all know is what this league is all about. Go down in a close game and make the plays at the end that win, win the football game, the better it's going to be. And I do think those things translate going forward. I do think that if you have three of those in your back pocket and you get in a huddle in week 11 or week 12 of 2023 in a game that you have to win in November and you look around that huddle and the guys see you and say, this guy's done it before. I believe in him. And he himself feels, I've done this before. We can go down and do this. I know what this takes and I know uh, the, the mistakes to avoid and the plays to try and go make. And let's, let's go get this done. The faster you can start to compile those experiences, the better it's going to be long term. And that's all I'm saying with that. I'm not, I'm not, no one is saying that a, a win or two down the stretch of this season over the final 10 games was going to suddenly magically turn the Bears into winners for 2023. But this quarterback needs to understand situational football. He needs yeah. to understand how to get over the hump and meeting moments late in games. He's met a lot of moments this year. I think you and I both, we haven't brought our uh, quarterback development tracker up in a long time, but I think that needle has moved in the positive direction three or four slots since, uh, you know, the start of October. And so don't mistake any of this as, as criticism of Justin Fields. It's just an, a, 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 I, I guess an objective and, and in order for him to go accomplish some of these things as we march forward. Well, it's an acknowledgement that everybody needs frame, frame of references, you know, so you need to have uh, multiple frames of reference, if you will. Um, and it, to suggest otherwise kind of denies the importance or diminishes the importance or value of experience. Experience does matter. And when you have accomplished something before, um, it's going to be easier to accomplish it again. Nobody is trying to say that the core of the or, or the the peripheral players on this three and ten Bears team is going to be around when they actually have games that are you know hanging in the balance that are, are pivotal in the playoff race or games of more significance. That's unrealistic. But I do think the players here now that will be part of that can still benefit from having positive outcomes from games that are close or one possession games or coming back and beating the Packers or coming back and beating whoever. The other thing of it is, Dan, and, and this is something I don't want to spend a ton of time on, but I do find it interesting. And we talked about it a little bit on the Mullion Haas show. We spend so much time justifiably. So talking about the mental health of athletes and why it's important. And I do think that's progress in this is great uh, addition to our sports conversation, something that was much different five or 10 years ago. But if we're going to respect the mental health of athletes, we cannot deny the, what a victory represents to that mental health. It definitely for players who have not won a game or experienced victory since October 24th, you can't tell me you can't tell me that's not weighing on each and every player in that locker room at Hallis Hall. So if you believe in the value of of and you believe that mental health matters, then how about not, you know, saying that a victory would be bad for this football team because it wouldn't because of those though the what it would mean to just being a relief that it would represent and the other things that we talked about. 
It's a psychological spike for sure. It gives you it gives you energy, and positive energy can go a long way if used properly. And uh, you know, I, I to your point, I don't know that they're going to experience it again. And so then they're going to walk into the off season having had their last victory be in New England in October in a game that got them to three and four. And if you remember the podcast we did going into Dallas, it was like, well, what if they pull off this upset in Dallas and they're four and four? And and what direction might the season go? It hasn't been that. It hasn't gone that direction. Wow. And so yeah, right. I mean, it's it's crazy to think about uh and 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 you know and as we talked about last week and and can re-emphasize this week multiple times the ability to test yourself against the eagles who obviously were at the top of their game on sunday and they're 12 and 1 and they haven't slipped up much at all is going to be really fun because i think it's going to going to show ryan poles uh, just how far away his roster really is, right? And we've talked about Bill Polian stressing that number of 10 to 12 blue chippers needed to even be in the championship conversation, and and the Bears are nowhere near 10 to 12 right now, and they're going to get a look at a team that's got on both sides of the ball difference makers that, that that are going to show them, boy, you better get one of them. You better get one of those. You better get one of these guys, and, and we'll see where they can take it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. That was a takeaway from week 14, and there were others, and we'll take a look at that now. You mentioned the Eagles, Dan, watching them perform at a high level. This is the best team in football record-wise, and uh, Jalen Hurst just continues to dominate. They were really no match for the Giants. Um, I think it's it's, – Fascinating to see how easy that victory seemed from the outside. It's also, you look at how complete this football team is. This is the best team in the league. Or I'm sorry, the best team in the NFC against the worst team in the NFC Sunday at Soldier Field. And the Eagles kind of reasserted their dominance against the Giants in a game that was much easier than I anticipated. Seven sacks by the Eagles defense. The Bears have had four sacks in their six-game losing streak. You do the comparison there, and it'll tell you the kind of test that Justin Fields is going to be facing when he goes out to play on Sunday afternoon at Soldier Field. The the, the uh, Eagles also lead the league in interceptions this season. So you've got a, a defense that rushes the passer well and takes the ball away on the back end. Okay, kid, good luck. Let's see what you you know how much progress you've actually made as a passer, how this new-look offense will look with you running around. And, and, and oh, by the way, you know, they can challenge you on the other side of the ball with Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown and Devontae Freeman and Miles Sanders and all these guys that have really hit a, a, a stride with one another. Uh, and you look at a team that's that's complete right now. And 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 
man, I, I, I mean, I, I can't overstate it. It's just the, the idea that the Bears have this seven-day stretch, starting Sunday against the Eagles, finishing Christmas Eve against the Bills, to test themselves against these opponents is great because I think it's going to be a different set of games and a different set of circumstances, and their response will tell us a lot about just where this arrow is pointed with this team. After the Eagles took care of the Giants, I got a kick out of Indomitian Sue's uh, tweet about the game where he tweeted, sometimes Giants are smaller than you think. <laughs> That's the typical Sue, isn't it? I mean, he hasn't changed a bit, and he is a guy coming uh, off the sidelines in a reserve role. It just shows you what kind of depth they oh, have. The defensive line, the depth is crazy, and, and good luck to that offensive line. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And so that that was a big takeaway. The, the other thing about the Eagles, I think when you look at them as discouraging as looking at Sunday's matchup is you have to be encouraged at some level if you are a Bears fan and you're looking for parallels to draw with Justin Fields. And ideally, ideally, organizationally, because what the Eagles were able to do is what the Bears want to do, is that you have your quarterback who is a dual threat, great athlete, you can find a lot of parallels that we have already pointed out between Jalen Hurts and Justin Fields. Offensive line, as strong and sturdy. They protect Jalen Hurts. Uh, weaponry, A.J. Brown, he acquired in a trade. Uh, Devontae Smith, you drafted, and you have a tight end that is a difference maker. You have the weaponry, you have the offensive line, and you have an offensive scheme that is tailored around the skill set of your quarterback which I think that Nick Sirianni, I don't know that I'd rank him in the top half of head coaches in the NFL if I'm making a list, but I do give him credit for being able to recognize what's happening and to lean in to Jalen Hurts' skill set and multiplicity in the way that the Bears did with Justin Fields and that versatility. Nick Sirianni certainly should be on the short list of coach of the year candidates. If they finish this year at, at, at 16 and one or, or 15 and two, uh, no one came into the, the season saying, boy, that's going to be a team that just runs through the NFC. And by the way, in a division that's, that's proven to be pretty, pretty tough this year, more so than in most years. So they're doing some impressive things there. And, and, Maybe the Bears get him to take an exhale after a blowout win over the Giants. Maybe they catch that break this week. But it just seems like a team that's pretty focused and and ready to rock and roll and is going to come in here knowing exactly who they are. And that's the other thing you see when you when you watch them uh, closely. It's just the man you you pointed it out. It's just identity, and it's an identity that's crystallized and it's an identity that's unwavering. And they just know what what to do. And again, on defense, you you know Fletcher Cox, Hassan Reddick, C.J. Gardner Johnson won't play in this game. He's still on injured reserve with the with the lacerated kidney but uh, they've got they've got players over there and and they're going to make life difficult speaking of coaches making an impact uh, the other thing that i saw uh with a bearless sunday was watching the vikings and the lions and the lions beating the vikings and you have to give uh dan campbell due respect I, he's not a guy that i looked at you know he's an entertainment he 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 definitely is fun to see and hard knocks and you like his press conferences and, the, and his introductory one is legendary, but I always thought that it, it was that you can only do that so long. And I didn't know how that would work, but Dan, you got to give the Lions credit. They're at six and seven. And at this point of the season, Dan Campbell has as good of a shot and as, as good of a record um, as Tom Brady does. I know it's a much different situation, but who'd have thought the Lions would be in this situation. They are, a team that embodies their head coach and they are not a team that goes away quietly. And now they are a hot team. I don't know where it's headed, but I have been impressed. 
Yeah, I was looking it up. They, they, they've they won five of their last six. It started with that uh, upset of the Packers in early November when they picked off Rodgers three times down near the goal line. Uh, and then they came to Soldier Field the next week and stole that game late. And they've been they've been riding the belief train since then. Five and one, their only loss is that heartbreaker on Thanksgiving Day uh, where Josh Allen went and tore their heart out on the, on the last drive of regulation. But but they, they've been on a roll. And so, so a five and one surge to climb from off of the, the television screen to, you know, climbing that ladder on the in, in the hunt graphic every week gives them a chance to play for something meaningful down the stretch of December and January. That's not something that we're, we're used to talking about. The other question here is, is they, they, they have draft capital, right? Like they're going to go into this, this draft in April with a chance to go get their successor for Jared Goff. And so there's a two-part prong to this question number one if you were the bears would you trade the number two or number three overall pick to a division rival to go get their guy that, that could make them real dangerous in the division the other part is if the lions do get their franchise quarterback and it, the guy proves to be the real deal is their roster in better shape at this moment to go be closer to hoisting up a lombardi trophy or at least playing deep into january in the coming years or, or taking the North, I guess. Let's stick with the podcast. So they be closer <laughs> to taking the North after next year's draft if this goes a certain way because they do have the Rams pick. The Rams have bottomed out. Yeah, and, stunningly. Yeah, and so even in spite of the Baker Mayfield victory, you, you think they're going to be drafting pretty high. But that that's a good question. I, I would add a third one. And and this, I think, is – this this could be could potentially more concerning to Bears fans than any of the two that you asked in my book. What if they think that Jared Goff is the answer based on the way that he finishes the season and based on the fact that he has been better than expected and they use that pick in the top five to get a difference maker like, you know, whoever the defensive lineman the Bears don't choose maybe. And maybe it's somebody who makes them different defensively so they are dominant on that side of the ball with the front seven. They do have an offense that might be – capable capable with Jared Goff as this as the gatekeeper as the game manager a little bit better than that, that maybe but Dan what if they think that Jared Goff has played his way into a, a place of stability within the organization and they use that pick on an, on to another position yeah, uh, it'd be fascinating. Worth checking in with our, our our friends in Detroit here as the month comes to an end to figure out where their brain is with Jared Goff right now. He got Jamison Williams back a couple weeks ago. Jamison Williams takes his first catch the other day for a 41-yard touchdown. It was the only catch he had all day, but it's that reminder of, oh, yeah, they went and got themselves a, a stud receiver who was coming off injury, and as soon as that guy gets the full health, I loved that guy coming into the draft last year, and I was pretty vocal about uh, you know just – the the excitement level Lions fans should feel that their team went and got a guy like that to bolster their offense. And so now you got a, a young playmaking receiver to pair with another young playmaking receiver in Amon Ross St. Brown. And and now that gives your quarterback some things to work with. And so if you feel like Goff can be your version of Kirk Cousins, right, and, and be a veteran guy who's never going to be, you know, thought of as one of the top five or six guys in the league, but can put you in playoff contention every year. Well, then maybe you can use some of that uh, money and, and, and well, more likely the, the draft resources to address other positions. Um, fascinating though. I mean, we, we had the lions left for dead when November started and here they oh. are potentially playing a playoff game a month from now. In a division that I think is going to be very winnable 
in the next couple of years because of what's going on in Green Bay, because the Vikings, as talented as they are, they're the first 10 and three team in history to have a negative point differential. So I think that uh, is interesting. They're probably catchable. Uh, The Bears are whatever they are. And so you have you have a division that's going to be competitive again, I think, and it's not going to be as top heavy as it has in past years. Hate to tie these topics together, but five of the Lions' seven losses have been by four points or less. Perhaps in those close losses, they figured out how to learn how to win. Maybe they did. (laughs) Shudder the thought. (laughs) Let's keep that between us and this audience. Um, Other stuff that went on is interesting. I want to get your thoughts on this because we talk so much about the quarterback and the role the quarterback plays in every organization and their ability to believe that they have a Super Bowl team on the horizon. Okay, let's go out to the Bay Area. Let's go out to San Francisco. This is their third quarterback, Brock Purdy, uh, yeah. who, who led them to led them to a victory or participated in a victory. However you want to phrase it, Brock Purdy was the quarterback when the San Francisco 49ers manhandled the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> and, and it wasn't even close. Now, I ask you this. What happens if the 49ers win the Super Bowl? get to the Super Bowl with their third quarterback, who is very little more than a game manager, who was very good on Sunday against the Bucs, what will that do to this entire argument and this entire league-wide trend where the quarterback is all that matters? You mean the same 49ers that came to Soldier Field to open the season and lost in a month yeah. soon? That yeah, team? That team uh, yeah. They might hoist up? Yeah. They're such a peculiar team to me for so many reasons. It's because they are so complete in so many ways, and yet they've been having to juggle this quarterback situation in, in just a way that makes no sense. Like No one even expected Jimmy Garoppolo to be in San Francisco when the season began, when we were back in you know April. Uh, and and then he he takes over, and then he gets hurt, and Brock Purdy comes in, and, and I'm cooking or, or, or watching my wife cook dinner on Sunday night. Let me make sure I get credit where credit's due, but we're getting, we're getting the dinner table ready. And I hear Kurt Menefee say, Hey, we're going to switch away from this, this blowout of Tom Brady, the 49ers over the Buccaneers. So we can take it to the, 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 the Panthers Seahawks game. And he had to just kind of shake your head and go, Oh my goodness, it's 35 to nothing. And they're switching away from Tom Brady on Fox to get you over to the Panthers Seahawks. And it was just a, such a resounding performance in so many ways. Uh, Look, I don't want to get out over my skis or get ahead of ourselves with with who we think Brock Purdy is ultimately going to become. I heard Bill Cowher last week saying, what if he's the next Tom Brady because he's a late round pick? He was Mr. Irrelevant. And, you know, maybe he's motivated by that. And and now he got his opportunity late in the season with a team that's positioned to go win in the postseason. And who knows? Right. Like that, that, that fairy tale cover is open to that book and it's up to him to write his story i'm not going that far by any stretch of the imagination but what a what a what a team that they have if they could just get some stability at quarterback or a guy that could could make big time plays for them you'd you'd think they'd be positioned to win two or three of these things it also underscored to me just how imbalanced the league is in terms of the AFC having all the great quarterbacks, the NFC having guys like Geno Smith and Sam Darnold and Brock Purdy, who we saw playing, you know, well, let's go to one game with Brock Purdy. No, we're going to go to Geno Smith uh, versus, yeah, it just it underscores just how imbalanced it is. And Trevor Lawrence now, yeah, he was coming into his own very quietly down in Jacksonville, added to that group of quarterbacks who I think in the AFC are way above average. 
I mean, for me, that was a Sunday of of you. You've got the noon slate, and Trevor Lawrence is now playing like he deserved to be the number one overall pick a year ago, and it really has himself locked in in a way, particularly in that game against Tennessee on Sunday, where you're like, "Well, that's that's some high level stuff." Through three touchdown passes, rushed for another one. Uh, it was just putting the ball where it needed to be in most occasions, and you add him to that list as you mentioned. So you get you get you get to watch Trevor Lawrence and Burrow and Josh Allen in the noon slate, and then at three twenty five, you see Patrick Mahomes making another magician play, which is which I don't even know what it was. It was like a basketball no look Chris Paul pass to Jarek McKinnon that somehow turns into a touchdown. And then you finish the night watching Justin Herbert continue his ascent, which for three seasons has been pretty impressive. And the and the the the, the stockpile of talent at that position in that conference is such a benefit to the Bears because they're in a conference where it's not like that. And and two of the better quarterbacks in the NFC are Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, who are, are going to be in their rocking chairs before you know it. And so the doors are open on this side of the uh, of the NFL to to state your case and jump in that mix and 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 be a team that says hey look at our guy look at our engine look at look at the place he can make look at the star he can become and what ultimately that can do to the championship dreams of Chicago but man uh yeah i mean <laughs> to go from Lawrence to uh Mahomes to to Herbert in a in a three game viewing experience on Sunday it was like wow that's that's good stuff not to be mean, but Mitch Trubisky will not be on the AFC list of great quarterbacks. He was kind of uh, he was kind of notable on Sunday, though, throwing a pick to an ex-teammate <laughs> who is having quite a season in Baltimore. Mitch Trubisky picked off by Roquan Smith. I didn't see if Roquan had anything to say about it after the game. Probably something I should look up and and, and figure out if there's a soundbite there that Roquan had. But yeah. It- it was basically he, he threw he made the bad throw. He's gonna have to pay for a bad throw. It wasn't anything like that. We would uh, it would resonate in Chicago. I mentioned that we watched that that noon set of games at Buffalo Wild Wings, and there was a diehard Steelers fan belly up to the bar, a couple tables away from us. And you'd be watching, you know, you'd have the the Browns Bengals on this TV. You're looking over here, and then every 20 minutes you'd hear Trubisky. <laughs> this guy was so <laughs> upset that his guy his guy had just thrown another interception and it was really giving the boys a, a kick out of like oh well, they, this guy really can't stand Mitch I was like man you guys have no idea and it, I mean it just illuminates right like we don't need to, to beat a dead horse here and but the idea that that Mitch Trubisky uh, wasn't given a fair shake in Chicago which is still a thought process in some circles in the city is just crazy was was he given the best chance to succeed no Matt Nagy didn't set him up for the ideal slate of success but he had 50 plus starts here to show you who he was as a quarterback and who he was as a quarterback is still who he is as a quarterback and the the, the odds are that he's going to be out of Pittsburgh when the next free agency cycle rolls around and all of a sudden Mitch is going to be on his fourth team trying to figure out what his actual role in Nick in this league is and I don't know that there's much there other than being a very very supportive backup uh, as a guy who can can be a classroom tutor and a, and a, a nice support system for a guy that you feel can be your long-term starter and Kenny Pickett is a long-term starter in Pittsburgh I think he was concussed which was yes. why uh, Mitch was in the game Kenny Pickett has had some injuries and been a little inconsistent as you expect rookie starters will be but it also struck me as we watched that and, and again not to jump to too rash of a conclusion but there's a chance that uh, by the time we get to the end of the season the first quarterback 
taken in the 2022 NFL draft will not end the season with as much promise as the last one taken in the 2022 NFL draft, Brock Purdy, because Brock Purdy was last, Kenny Pickett was first, and boy, those guys have ha- are spending December's thinking much differently about their immediate futures. Uh, I'd rather be Pickett, I think, in terms of the career, but Brock Purdy is in a great situation in San Francisco because of that defense and because of that coaching staff. Just to tie a loose end on it, Mitch was 22 for 30, 276 yards, one touchdown late to Pat Fryermuth, three interceptions, a 73.1 rating. But to your point, yes, the first quarterback taken isn't always the best quarterback taken, as we have learned here in the city. Uh, and and we'll see what, what direction these guys take it. it. Ideally, if you are a guy like Brock Purdy, you want to wind up in a situation that allows you to have weapons all over the field at every single position. And so to to be able to to use Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey and George Kittle and Brandon and, and everybody else that they've got in that offense to help you. Uh, you just got to do your job. And the next thing you know, you're, you're, you're beating the, the greatest of all time, 35 to nothing. <laughs> Let's wrap things up with our two-minute drill. The two-minute drill. The two-minute drill. All right, Dan, so when the Bears get back to practice, it sounds like Matt Eberflus on the offensive line will give Alex Leatherwood a, a chance to – prove himself more, maybe get more opportunities. Do you think that in the reconfigured offensive line, Leatherwood could start, or is he just going to rotate with Riley Reef? Right now, it sounds like rotational opportunity. That's the way I'm phrasing it. Rotational opportunity for Alex Leatherwood heading into week 15. And we'll see how that evolves over the last four games and, and what he does to earn more opportunity. I think you want to be cognizant of knowing that Riley Reef probably isn't a part of your long-term future and Alex Leatherwood could be. So the more you can get uh, game video on him to study, figure out what his weaknesses are, figure out where he ideally slots for you in your plans. You obviously gave up a, a good bit of money to bring him here when you made that waiver claim uh, as the regular season began. And so now is the, the, as good a time as any to, to learn about who he is. Didn't bother me that uh, Matt Eberflus was very honest about Braxton Jones' shortcomings, the fact that he could be bull rushed. I didn't look at it as giving the Eagles any trade secrets, <laughs> things about the that uh, Braxton Jones they couldn't find out for themselves by watching tape. What did you think? Yeah, no, I mean, look, it was a it was an honest scouting report on a guy who has been a promising story for the Bears. Now, he is a promising story as a day three pick who turned himself into a starter. The Bears are now trying to identify guys who can be standouts on a championship level team. Right. And so you have to separate the the good story from the franchise objective. And so that's where they have to go going forward to figure out. I've said it for a few weeks now that if you, if you find an option that that looks like an upgrade for you at that position, you, you take it. If it's in free agency, if it's in the draft, if there's a guy that you think can be a better long term left tackle for Justin Fields, then you go out and make that move. Uh, but certainly they're going to give Braxton Jones every chance to, to continue his his growth curve. If Baker Mayfield can get off a plane and in 48 hours lead a 98-yard drive in the final two minutes to win a football game, why can't Chase Claypool learn to let Bears play but quicker? That's the question I want to know, Dan. Is it going to be happening against the Eagles? When's Chase Claypool going to become a bigger part of things? Matty Berflus's words, I believe these are are quotable and verbatim, was not there yet. And that was not there yet in terms of understanding all the nuances of the playbook, understanding all the responsibilities that come with the position he plays, understanding all the routes, the blocking assignments, all the things that come with being a wide receiver in this offense. But man, with Darnell Mooney out and your passing game becoming more of a priority, which is another topic that we'll hit on again later in the week, 
you would hope that that Chase Claypool's production goes up. If it doesn't, now you go into to 2023 playing a bit of a, a guessing game with a guy who's going to be entering the final year of his rookie contract and, and needs to figure out what his future looks like either here or elsewhere. And so you want to learn as much about where this is headed. I'm not saying he's got to have 200-yard games and four touchdowns in the last four games of the season, but you'd like to see him become a reliable go-to guy, uh, particularly in big situations for Justin Fields, for that chemistry to start to come together. If that chemistry doesn't come together, then you've wasted a high second round pick, which is going to be, you know, 36, 35, 34, somewhere in that range to get a guy that, that may be out your, out your door by the end of next season. And so, yeah, Chase Claypool's got to, got to find a way to, to contribute here soon. Good news on the rookie defensive backs, Jaquan Brisker, Kyler Gordon, Gordon out of concussion protocol available this Sunday against the Eagles. Dan, that's good news. Do you expect that to mean the Bears could be more aggressive with blitzes and trusting their secondary a bit more? Good news, big test, right? These guys will be back, but you've got A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and, and, and Jalen Hurts coming to, to test you at every at every turn. And so they better be ready. You know, they better come back refreshed, engaged, locked in. Uh, I think that, that uh, the Bears have liked the growth that Kyler Gordon has shown and some of the things he's done as a tackler. He's got a long way to go. He's got a long way to go, and it starts by 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 taking on some some bigger matchups and some bigger competition, and figuring out a way to produce more than he has. And 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 let's see where those guys go. Also on the injury front, the the belief is not this week, but perhaps next week when he's eligible, Khalil Herbert will be coming off IR and, and capable of finishing the season and giving them three more games to to get a feel for for what he is. And in Friday's episode, we definitely will update our quarterback meter. And also by then, Dan, the next time we drop an episode. I'd like you to come back and we can talk about this. Is there any position, whether it's quarterback, whether it's anywhere, that the Bears have a player that you would prefer over who the Eagles will offer on Sunday? Is there any one guy, any one spot, any one position or position group that you think the Bears would have an advantage? Like, okay, I would take him over this Eagle because I don't know – that there is that guy. That's startling. I'm going to do my homework on this. That's startling. And, and uh, I, you know, it, it just, it leads me back to a discussion we've had in multiple forms here in the last month. And it's the disconnect between the acknowledgement by most Bears fans that this, this roster still needs to be overhauled, that, that there's this, this sentiment that, that 40 of these 53 guys need to be out the door to start next season, yet the belief that the Bears can compete for anything meaningful in 2023. And it, like, I, I don't know how people think that that bridge goes. Like you throw 40 guys out the door and then you get the championship contention. What, what are you building that bridge with? I I, I don't know. And this may be a, a, a good homework exercise to illuminate that a little bit more on just what it takes to be a 12 and one football team and a team that has its sights set on playing in February. That's a conversation we will continue on Friday. Anything we overlooked today? I don't think so. We covered a lot of ground here today and uh, around the league, too, which is fun. It was good to, to take a, a bigger, wider lens to things this weekend. I wish I could do that more often. Good stuff. And you can get your Take the North podcast on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, now we have full episodes on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page. So you can watch us on YouTube as well. You can listen to us on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And that'll wrap us wrap it up. We'll be back on Friday before the Eagles-Bears game, previewing that one and also looking at what happened throughout the week of practice at Hallis Hall. 
I am David Haw from 670 The Score and The Mullion Haw Show. Thank you to Adam Sudzinski, our producer. And Dan, thank you for joining us after a bye week where you sounded refreshed. You are rejuvenated, and we know you're revitalized. Right across the finish line. Here I go. Great talk. See you out there.